Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Hey, we are in week three of this series we've been going through called Before You Began. And the whole idea behind it is that before you and I ever set foot on this earth, there were some things that God did and God allowed that he made part of us before we were ever put here. And I was reminded the other day, as I was thinking back about this thing about all of us that just, it just influences so much of who we are. And maybe the best way to describe that is something that happened to us years and years ago. We were at a leadership conference out in California, my wife, Kara, and I. And a couple of my, a couple authors who have profoundly influenced me were speaking at this conference. And one of them was just finishing up, and I knew there was going to be a break after that session. So I wanted to run outside because I knew he was going to be um, signing books, taking pictures, talking to people at this table outside. So ran out a little bit early with Kara, and we're in line. We're like third in line. And the people in front of us, he gets out there, and they're getting pictures with him, and then it's our turn. And so I get up there, and I just start talking with this author and Kara stands back to take a picture, and he's in the middle of signing this book that I had brought that he had written, and he's in the middle of signing it, and I know he was on the verge of signing like, Nathan, you're the most incredible person I've ever met, even though we just met 30 seconds ago, and I love your basketball skills and all this stuff. And uh, he, he stopped, and he looked up at Kara, and he said, and, and who's this with you? And I said, oh, sorry, I should have introduced. This is my wife, Kara. And he said... Nice to meet you, Carol. Now, what do you do here? Hopefully you know. Like, married or not married, the right answer is what? You tell them your wife's name, right? Because you are for your wife in this situation. Yeah, I hadn't learned that lesson yet. So, (laughs) So he says, nice to meet you, Carol. And I'm sitting here going, what do I do? Like, do I say to this author that I've looked up to, or do I, or, you know, do I tell him her name? And I didn't even have time, because Kara, Kara spoke up. She said, oh, uh, my name's actually Kara. And, and immediately, like, if my glare could have said something, it was just like, what are you doing? Carol, just take the picture. Now, it was divine intervention that I didn't actually say that, but there's something that happens when our name, when our name, somebody gets our name wrong. Because there's a deep desire in us for not just other people to get our name right, but there's something in us that wants to set our name right in other people's eyes. And you want to know why that is? Because a major piece of your identity and my identity is this name. It was one of the first things given to us. In our life, one of the first sounds you ever heard was the sound of your name. Researchers estimate that you will hear your name, or you did hear your name, over 46,000 times before you hit the age of 18. And what your name was associated with, and how it was used, or how it was not used, or what it was not associated with, those were formative elements in, when it comes to who we are. Because you probably remember, you were, your name maybe made a list or didn't make a list, didn't it? You made the team, you got the part, you got the promotion, or you didn't. And there are elements of that that shape us. And I even, I'm fascinated um, in sporting events. Remember sports? You remember those? Yeah, uh, yeah, hopefully they're back. But pre-game introductions of players, it's interesting to listen to the crowd, isn't it? Because some names are said, and there's just this massive cheer, and others, it's just thunderous booing. And as much as professional athletes can tune that out, 
For many of us, we run after that applause and avoid those boos, don't we? Or maybe your name, it just has to do with the tone it was used in over the course of those 46,000 times and counting. But somewhere along the way, you know what's going to happen? What happened to Carol? What happened to Kara? Somebody got it wrong. Our, Our name somehow got tarnished. And we start this life with a lot of goodwill because as a baby, when people look at a baby, they're just, everybody's for the baby, right? But as we get older and as we go through life, our names take a hit. And what do you do when your name takes a hit? I remember it was like two weeks after I graduated high school, my friend called my parents and they said, hey, uh, your son, Nathan, is in the paper, Nathan Harrison is in the paper. And so my mom opens the Rocky Mountain News and she finds this article. And there's an article about Nathan Harrison has been arrested because he's been downtown beating up homeless people. I was like, mom, it wasn't me. If you read the article, if you kept reading the article, actually, you know what they said? He was described as six foot four. I was like, I've never been so glad to be five foot four. That's my alibi right there. But what do you do when your name gets tarnished? Because something hits us. The reason, the reason for that is because it hits a core piece of our identity. And that's been going on from the beginning of creation. When God created Adam, whose name meant humanity, when sin entered the picture and distorted it, the very name of Adam became distorted. So what, what do you do? And what does that say about you when your name gets distorted? And God, to make a point, not just to us, but to his people throughout scripture. God actually uses a story that we're gonna look at this morning that really conveys the third piece of who you are before you ever began. See, week one, we talked about you're created in his image. You are made in the image of God. And then last week, we talked about there was distortion entered the picture. And like it or not, part of us is that sin distorted the picture and it distorted the image. But today, as you think about all that, I want to look at a story that for all that we think our name means everything, God says, I can go even deeper than that. Because before you ever had a name, I did something. See, just generations upon generations ago, when you look in Genesis, there's a man named Abraham. And God looked at Abraham and he said, you know, one day, I know you can't even have kids right now, but one day your descendants are going to be as numerous as the sand on the seashore, and you will be my children, and I will be your God. And he made this covenant with Abraham. Well, generations went by, and the Israelites, God's people, they they couldn't remain faithful, and yet God remained faithful. And so even though they were breaking their end of the covenant, God continued to keep his up. And finally, Finally, God sends this messenger named Hosea that we're going to look at this morning. And Hosea, he asks Hosea to do something so shocking. And yet for as shocking as it is, God does something with Hosea's children. He gives them maybe the three worst names you could ever be named in history on this planet. He gives them three names. And then God goes even deeper than those names to share something about us and about him. And so listen, listen to this, Hosea chapter 1. Verse two, just to give you a picture of what God wanted to do through the life of Hosea, he said, I'm not just gonna speak through you. I'm gonna use your life as an example. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman 
and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer. That is a woman. That is a woman's name, Gomer. I called people this all the time in high school. Had no idea what I was calling them. It was just fun to say, all right? But this was an actual person. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblam. And she conceived and bore him a son. Now, what, what was the offense of the Israelites? I mean, you, you would think for God to go to this measure, to have Hosea, one of his messengers, go marry an unfaithful woman in order to show a picture of unfaithfulness, you're thinking this has to be so bad what they did. And oftentimes, this is how we think of us, that it's got to be this like 180 degrees sprinting the other direction from God. But in chapter 3 of Hosea, I just found this real interesting and not what I expected. We get a picture of what the Israelites were doing. Hosea says, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Okay, what? Raisin cakes? Like, I thought that was a pet name. Okay, raisin cakes. It was like there was this sweet delicacy that actually was synonymous, that as they ate these raisin cakes, it was synonymous with worship of a foreign god. And as I read this, I thought, this is not what I expected unfaithfulness to look like. You know, this was the unfaithfulness of the nation. And what it should say to us is that anything could be a candidate. Because what God is getting at is that it wasn't, it wasn't this massive thing that shifted their worship. It was as simple as raisin cakes. As far as I know, I don't know anybody in here that has an obsession with raisin cakes. So I think we're in good, comp- or, or we're, we're in good shape, but we'll see. So this continues. We go back to chapter one and Hosea has married this promiscuous woman. They have a son and listen to the name God gives, tells him to give the son. Verse four, then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. And when you look at this name, it actually means God scatters. Now, if you were to go back to the statistic we talked about a little bit ago, can you imagine 46,000 times before you turn 18, every time you hear your name, you think scattered. God looked at me and he thinks I scattered. I scattered 46,000 times. Now, it gets worse. I mean, that's already an unfortunate name. I don't know anybody named that, but it gets worse. Verse six, Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her lo Ruhamah, which means, you ready? Not loved. This is getting worse. It means not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Scattered, not loved. And it just gets a little bit, no, it gets a lot worse right here. Verse eight, after she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. Now think about this. What did he say to Abraham? You will be my people and I will be your God. 
This, is, this apparently looks like God breaking the covenant relationship that he's been so faithful to. I mean, can you imagine going to a wedding? The couple takes vows. One party says, I do, and the other party says, I don't. That's what seems to be happening here. And God says, <laughs> every single time that somebody sees those kids playing on the street, says their name, this should be a reminder of Israel's unfaithfulness. Whether it's raisin cakes or worshiping a foreign god, it doesn't matter. Their love has shifted from their first love, from the God who made them in his image. And you read all this and you just think, wow, this is like really, this is really going downhill for them. And yet the encouragement for us is I don't know anybody who was named God scatters, not loved, not my people. But you don't have to be named that to know that place, do you? Have you not had those moments where you look around at life, maybe 2020 even, where you go, God, you have scattered everything. Or you've had moments where you've looked at God and looked at yourself and you looked back at God and looked at yourself and wondered, am I loved? God, am am I a child of yours? And it's there that God, God says, actually, there was something before you ever had a name. Yes, I created you in in my image. Yes, something was distorted. and, And there's a track record of unfaithfulness for God's people and every single one of us. And a lot of times, that's how we see ourselves in the mirror. And God says, I'm gonna go deeper. One word at the beginning of verse 10, yet. After all the names, God scatters, not loved, not my people. God says, yet. You know what yet means? It means when you look around and life feels scattered, God says, yet. I got something else, I got something deeper. When you look around and you wonder, God, do you even love me? Do you even notice me? Yet. God, am I even considered one of your children? He says, yet. Yet. And what is that yet? Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore. God never broke that covenant. They'll be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. They will be called the children of the living God. You want to know what I love most about this? Is God is using the future tense. In other words, these children have arrived and their names are going to be a reminder of Israel's unfaithfulness. And God says, yet. Before any of that happens, before those reminders come up, God says, I made a decision. I made a decision about those children and I made a decision about all of my children. And it goes deeper than the name that we fight so hard to protect and we try to set right in other people's eyes. See, we don't look at ourselves that way, do we? No, see, I look around and I think, okay, uh, I'm associated with like Gen X because of my year of birth. I had a place of birth. I have a skin color, I have a gender, I have a family of origin, we have ways in which we operate, I have a list of failures, I have a list of successes, and I take that to be my deepest identity. And you know what God says? There's a yet. There's a yet. And yes, you were created in my image, and yes, there was a distortion of that image, but I made a decision that before you had a name, you had a yet. Do you know that? 
Before you ever had a name, you had a yet, and it was the best kind of yet. It was God's yet. And what I love about that verse we just read are three words that he says, in the place. In the place where they were called, not my children. They will be called, or not my people. They will be called children of the living God. Now, scholars have pulled that verse about apart and tried to figure out exactly what the ramifications of that were. And scholars far more brilliant than me have tried to figure that out. But if nothing else, in that place where we were called, not my people, you know where that is? It's right there, that cross. It was at Calvary that God poured out all this anger, all this wrath, all of his justice, all of his fury on our unfaithfulness and the unfaithfulness of all people in history, he poured it out in that place. That was the place where he said, not my people. And he said, I'm not gonna make it up to you, human beings, in, in, your, in your ability and in your wisdom. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna leave it up to you to keep your name right and set your name right. You know what God did? He said, I'll take responsibility. And so God put God, he put his son Jesus on the cross and he poured out onto Jesus, scattered, God scatters, not my people, not loved. Poured all the anger of that out onto his son. And in the place where it was declared, you are not my people because of what Jesus did on the cross, we were declared children of the living God. My favorite moment comes a few days later. This woman named Mary who had followed Jesus over and over and some believe she had a very questionable past. She, she's, she's out and about, she's near the tomb and she sees what ends up being Jesus, but she thinks he's the gardener. And he calls out to her and he says, woman, what are you looking for? Who are you looking for? And she thought he was the gardener, didn't really know what to say. And then you know what he did? Jesus. One of the first statements he made when he rose from the grave, he said her name, Mary, Mary. And John tells us her eyes were opened and she declared Rabbani. It was this intimate expression of teacher, of savior, Rabbani. You wanna know why God sticks with his covenant? Even when our very name even when our very identity, the deepest piece of us has been tarnished because he says, I can go deeper. There's a yet. Before your name and whatever image it has came to be, there was a yet. And so with resurrected life, he looks at you and me and he declares our name. But that's hard, isn't it? I had another moment years ago, showed up at a doctor here locally. And I said, oh, I'm here for my appointment. She said, name? I said, Nathan Harrison, and I did not expect the question she asked next. You know what she said? Which one? I was like, which one? <laughs> the Nathan Harrison is here for his doctor's appointment. She's like, no, which one? And I said, okay, uh, my birthday is May 24th. No joke. You know what she said? Which one? I went, okay, it's crazy that somebody else has my name, but it's even crazier that somebody else has my name and my birthday in Littleton at this doctor's office. You know what I immediately did? I'm not special, which is <laughs> not special. And this is how we look at ourselves. 
See, you go as deep as you can and all you get to is your name, but God says, I can go deeper. Before he had a name, you had a yet. And so, we will wrap this series up next week, but you know what? God's yet means two things as you walk out of here today. And I want you to write down two phrases, okay? Or remember two phrases this week. The first phrase I want you to remember is not so fast. Because what we do is we tend to look at ourselves and look at other people and we make those snap judgments about value, worth, identity, don't we? And so I want you to think not so fast. And here's why. Look at verse 10 again. Look at the swing in identity in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. They will be called children of the living God. I mean, I think about Gomer and I think about her sons. And I think if they could have that swing of identity, and if God has reminded us at the cross of our swing and identity, creation, distortion, and his decision about us before we ever began, then how much hope ought we to carry for both ourselves and the people that he puts us with? But the other phrase I want you to remember is not just not so fast, but steadfast. Because an equally huge part of this story is Hosea. See, a lot of times, and especially the last few months, as I've listened to specifically Christians, I'm amazed at how angry we can get when people don't see things the way we see them. Because somebody has a different opinion than we do. And I just look at Hosea's story and I think, what, what did we expect? Because what you don't see in this account is what Hosea must have been going through emotionally, mentally, just the anguish of this every day. And every single time somebody said one of his children's names, there was a reminder. See, it wasn't meant to be easy. But see, because he secured our identity right there at the cross, our eternal identity, then these things that come along, I mean, just look at 2020 alone, these things that come along, they don't have to shake us. And they don't have to rattle us. You can be steadfast knowing you've been divinely placed to illustrate something about God and something about you and something about the people around you. And it's this, before you had a name, you had a yet. And so as the worship team comes out and they close us with one last song, let me just thank you for being here and we'll wrap this series up next week. Thank you for joining us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we're reminded that in all your wisdom and in all your power and in all your grace and all of your love, before we ever set foot on this earth, you looked upon us and you remembered that you created us in your image. And yes, that image got distorted, but you thank you so much for making a decision before we ever set foot on this earth, before we ever had a name, you gave us the yet of the cross. Let us be reminded of that as we walk forward to say not so fast when we make that snap judgment about ourselves or others, but also let us remain steadfast as we'll talk next week and be messengers of that very thing. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.